Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Romans chapter number one, and uh, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the greeting that Paul gives here to this church, really from verse one uh, through verse number 17, we see this greeting uh, from Paul. And uh, many, I said this last week, but many of the greatest Christian leaders have considered the book of Romans uh, to be the most important theological book ever written. Um, It is a book that is uh, just filled. It it looks deep into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, This was a book that was written by Paul uh, around AD or around 57 AD uh, to the church in Rome. And now we understand, and we talked a little bit about last week, that this Roman church uh, was a mix between Gentile believers and Jewish believers. And with that mix uh, caused uh, some theological differences. And Paul wanted to, he desired to come in and mend those differences. He wanted to help them. And so he writes this letter uh, to do so. Last week, we looked at, if you weren't here with us, I'll just give you a quick review. Uh, last week, we looked at the first part of um, Romans chapter, or verse number one through verse number six. And we see that's where Paul introduces himself. And he also introduces uh, a message. He tells the Romans that he is a servant of Jesus Christ, that he has been called by the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, to be an apostle. And that also he is separated unto the gospel of God. And so he gives this illustration of who he is. And then he gives us a glimpse into the message that he says he's separated unto. And this message is the gospel. Amen? It is something that is not new. He said that it was, uh, it was promised beforehand in the Holy Scriptures. And we see all throughout the Old Testament this promise, everything pointing to this news, the gospel. And, and so then he also goes on to say that the gospel is God's son, Jesus Christ, who is 100% man and 100% divine. And he was declared, he says here in, in verse number uh, five, I believe, who was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Can I get an amen? That's the gospel. Um, and then Paul says that the purpose of this message is to bring people of all nations to obedient faith and be saved. And then we come to this week, uh, we, we're gonna continue this greeting from verses seven through 15, where Paul tells us who he's writing to. And then he also speaks of his desire to be with them. And so I want us to look at this this morning. First of all, I want us to see the recipients. Who were the recipients of this letter that Paul writes here? Verse number seven, let's all look at that. Verse number seven, the Bible says this, to all that be in Rome. He kind of tells us right there, right? Who's it for? To all who be at Rome. Beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, to all that be at Rome. Now this is important for him to reference all because there were Gentile believers and there were Jewish believers. 
And so he says, I want to write this. I'm writing this letter to all believers that are in Rome. But listen to how he describes them. He says, you are beloved of God. They were beloved of God. God, the creator of the entire universe, loved them. He deeply cared for them. Later on in Romans chapter five and verse number eight, he says that God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he calls them the beloved of God. Paul wanted both the Jews and the Gentiles to recognize themselves together as the object of God's love. He wanted them to understand that they were both the object of God's love. In Ephesians chapter number five and verses one through two, uh, he was addressing the Ephesian believers and he wanted to encourage them. And he said, be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. He says there, walk in love, meaning live your life with the awareness that you are the object of God's love. Church, let me say that to you today. Live with the awareness that you are the object of God's love. Know that today, that he loves you. Listen, the the gospel, if it is really believed, you know what it does? It removes neediness. It removes the need to be constantly respected. It removes the need uh, to be constantly appreciated or constantly loved by others. Believer, know today that you are loved by God with a perfect love. So he says, I write to all that be in Rome, beloved of God. Then he goes on to say, called to be saints. Called to be saints. That word called means appointed or chosen to be saints. This word called here is the very same word that we see in verse number one, where Paul says, I am called to be an apostle. And so just as Paul was called, he was selected to be an apostle in verse number one. So all of us who believe are called to sainthood. Do you believe that? We are called, if you believe today, you are called to sainthood. There's no limited sainthood today. We are all called to be saints, which, which was, was being taught in the Roman church. This limited sainthood was being taught in this, in, in this church. All believers are saints, amen? Jew, Jewish believers are saints. Gentile believers are saints. That literally means holy ones, set apart ones. This refers not to believers as perfect or sinless, but as ones who are set apart for God, uniquely belonging to him, possessed and indwelled by him, and therefore holy. And so let me ask you today, church, as a saint of God today, are you set apart unto God? Yes. You are set apart unto the things of God and unto his kingdom. You are set apart unto the things of his church. You are set apart unto holiness. And like the Romans, uh, you believer are called a saint. And so he says uh, to all of you in Rome, uh, loved of God, called to be saints. Then he goes on and he finishes this in verse number seven. He says, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In every one of Paul's letters, he greets his readers by wishing grace and peace. 
grace and peace. And and this was a a standard, really, Christian greeting in the early church. Peace was uh, the usual Jewish greeting, shalom, uh, peace. And a word closely related to grace was common Greek greeting. And so the Christians, I, I believe, deliberately combined these two. And Paul says, I want grace and peace be to you. Either way, only through Christ can real peace and grace be experienced. Amen? And so he says, grace be to you, peace be to you. You see, grace is favor. It's not deserved. All God does for man is by grace. And also, real peace comes only when there is peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so grace and peace may come from God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say today, fellowship, may God's grace and peace be with you. May God's grace and peace be with you. But also we find that this church, yes, they are beloved of God. They are called to be saints. He wishes grace and peace to be to them. But also we see that this church was loved by Paul. This church was loved by Paul. Look at verse number eight. He said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Paul loved this church. He loved the the believers there in Rome. We understand that Paul had a special interest in them. Now, according to Romans chapter number 16, Paul knew many of, these, many of the individuals in the churches there in Rome. In, in chapter number 16, he mentions, he says, greet 29 different individuals. 29 different people. In Romans chapter 16, he says, I want you to greet this person. Greet this person. And so he had a, a relationship with them. I don't know if he met them all, but he had a relationship with them. He knew about them. But also we find that, that there was a, a couple there called Aquila and Priscilla. We know that Paul n- knew them. He worked with them, right? And, and they were in Rome at this time. And so he has a special interest for these people. He loved them. He says here that I'm, I'm thankful. I praise God for your faith. Paul never stopped being thankful for the grace of God. He never stopped being thankful for the people in whom that grace was, was being displayed. It was known around the world at that time that the Roman church, their faith was known. Their faith was known around the world. And so they were growing in their faith. We were, they were seeing people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it was known unto the world at that time. Rome was really the epicenter at that time. And so uh, news traveled quickly from Rome. And the news was that, hey, the church in Rome is growing. Their faith is growing. And so uh, let, me, let me say here today, church, could that be said of us here at Fellowship Baptist Church? Can we praise God that our faith is being heard in Panama City, Florida? It should be. Our faith should be heard. When people think and hear about Fellowship Baptist Church, they should say, hey, there are people there at Fellowship who love God and they love people. There are people at Fellowship Baptist Church who are not hypocritical. They know that they are broken just like everybody else, but that they're saved by the wonderful grace of God. Listen, let our faith be heard among the people here in Panama City, Florida. He says, I thank you for your your faith. But also we see that Paul prayed for them constantly. 
Paul's intense concern for their spiritual well-being of his converts was manifested in earnest praying. He was concerned for them, and so what did he do about it? He prayed for them. He went to God in prayer. And and understand today that it's so important that that we have a concern for one another. And that when we, what, what, what do we do with that concern? We go to God in prayer. We go to him. We seek him in prayer. We find two things in in his prayer. It was certain. We see the certainty of his prayer is seen by his appeal to God as his witness. He says, hey, God is my witness. I go to you in prayer often. He wasn't afraid for God to to have a personal investigation into his prayer life, was he? No, he said, "I, I, I, I appeal to the witness of God. Notice the statement about God, though, here. He says he is the one who Paul serves in the gospel. The word here, serve, is not the usual word, bond service. The word serve here means priestly service. It's an idea of of worship. And this is the reason for the phrase he says here, with my spirit. Paul does not minister as, as did the Old Testament priest in physical ordinances and and in sacrifices of the flesh, but he offers spiritual sacrifices through prayer. And so what does that show us today? It shows us that the New Testament, it it pictures all believers as priests, amen? And everyone and everything that we do for God as a spiritual sacrifice. And so when we pray, when we're concerned for one another and we go to God in prayer for one another, it is a a form of worship to God. Isn't that incredible? It's a form of service to God. When we pray, when we go to the throne of grace for our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are worshiping God. We are serving him. Church, let it be said of all of us here at Fellowship Baptist Church that we have the same concern as Paul did for one another. You know, we have people that are hurting, that are going through difficult times right now. Do you, are you concerned for them? There are people here that, listen, we all need to grow spiritually, don't we? We have not yet attained. We all need that spiritual growth. Are you concerned for each other's spiritual growth here at Fellowship Baptist Church? then worship God and go to them in prayer. Go to God in prayer for and on behalf of your brothers and sisters in Christ. But we also see the constancy of his prayer. He says here in in verse number nine, without ceasing. This adverb is used rarely in the New Testament. It's only seen four other instances, but it does not mean continuously. It means regularly, consistently, You see, Paul did not forget to pray for the Romans on a regular basis. It's something that he did on a regular basis. That phrase, make mention of, means it means to remember. And so what Paul does here is he says, hey, you are loved of God, and because of that love of God towards you, I love you, and I'm concerned for you, and I serve God with my whole self praying for you. Church, do we have this type of concern for one another? Do we have this type of concern for each other in this room today? So Paul says, who are the recipients? They're the Romans, to all that be at Rome. But then I want us to look at the desire to be with them. Paul's desire to be with them. Look at verse number 10. 
The Bible says this, making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Paul asked God to allow him to go to Rome one way or another. He had a passion. He had a desire to get to them. He says now at length, it points out the fact that, listen, he's been wanting to go for a long time. In verse number 13, he says, Now I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto. He says, I've tried to come to you. I have a longing to be with you, but for some reason, God has not allowed me to be. And so he, he shares with them this, this, uh, this desire to be with them. But, but, but however, Paul does not allow his eagerness to be with them to carry him away from the will of God. He says, he ends that verse in verse number 10, by the will of God to come unto you. This reminds us that Paul always submitted his personal desires to God's will. He wants wants to make a visit to Rome. Yes, he desires to be there, but only when God will allow him to be. He had a desire, but he said, God, your will be done. And if we we find in Acts chapter number 28, he finally gets to Rome, but it's after he's shipwrecked. It's after he's bitten by a snake and he finally gets there, but it wasn't really in the way that he thought he would get there. But it was God's will. Verse number 13, he tried often to get to them. Listen, Paul had a longing to be with the people of God. That's what I see here. He had a longing to be with the people of God. You know why I think he really had a longing to be with the people of God? It's because he was a servant of Jesus Christ and because he was separated unto the gospel of God. Let me say this church, when we are separated unto the gospel of God, separated from meaning that the gospel is the main thing that we are separated unto, uh, from everything else unto the gospel. When we are separated into the gospel, you will have love for one another. When you are separated unto the gospel, what's, what's the gospel news? There's a lot of news in the gospel, but one thing it does show is the love of God, doesn't it? And when you see the love of God and when you're separated unto the gospel of God, you will love his house. You will love his people. You will love the things about God. Listen, you will be involved when you're separated into the gospel of God. And Paul says, hey, listen, I am desire to be with you. But what was the reason behind his desire? Why did he desire to be with the Romans? Well, we find that from verses 11 through verse through verse number uh, 15. Let's look at verse number 11. He says, for I long to see you. Why? That I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established. He says, I want to come to give some spiritual gift in order for you to be established. The spiritual gift here has been, it's been debated by commentators. If you, if you search, there's so many different opinions on this spiritual, this some spiritual gift. Some people say that it was a gift that he would come and with his apostolic uh, authority, uh, put a, a special gift upon them. Others say that it was just referring to anything uh, good from God. But either way, what we find here is that Paul's aim is very clear. He desires to come to them to establish them, to strengthen them. 
He has a desire to, to, to strengthen their faith. And it's very obvious when you read through the book of Romans that these believers needed a deeper understanding of the gospel. You know, we, we, we continually need a deeper understanding of the gospel. Amen? We do. We will never, uh, listen, the gospel is just miraculous. It can be understood by a little child, but never truly understood by the greatest theologians. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful, powerful thing. But they needed a deeper understanding of the gospel. Uh, for the most part, they were young in their faith and, and they were more likely new in the faith and no apostle had yet been to them. And so they needed gospel truth. And Paul's desire was to come to them to establish and to strengthen their faith. But also in verse number 12, he says this, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. He wanted to come. His desire to be with them was to encourage one another through or by each other's faith. The, the Greek word translated comforted together, it means encouraged together. Encouraged together. To begin with, Paul refers here to a mutual faith. You know, today, all of us in here, if you're, if you're saved today, we have a mutual faith in the same God, right? In the one true God, we have a mutual faith and he and the Romans share the same faith. And then he speaks of being comforted together by this mutual faith. Now understand we have these Greek Christians and we have these Jewish Christians. They're having some problems with, with agreeing with these theological uh, truths. And he says, hey, you under, have to understand that you have a mutual faith. That you believe in the same true God. And he says, and with that mutual faith, we should encourage each other. Let me say this, church. When, when believers come together, everyone should be giving and receiving. Don't just be a receiver. Be a giver. Amen? Don't, always, don't just be a receiver of this encouragement that is found in the faith, but also be a giver. You understand that Paul says here, he doesn't just say, hey, I want to come to you so I can set you straight, period. No, he says, I want to come to you to be an encouragement to you and for you to be an encouragement to me. Paul understood that, hey, his desire to be there was to encourage each other in this mutual faith. Understand, church, our mutual faith gives us a common bonding, doesn't it? It gives us a common purpose for encouraging each other. But also he says in verse number 13, he says, I come now, I would not have you to be ignorant. He says, I tried to go to you and, and I was hindered. Verse number 13, the end of it, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. See, a big reason for Paul's ambition was for spiritual fruit at Rome. He desired to be there with them uh, to see fruit among them. And this fruit really includes all the normal results of Paul's ministry. Whether it was conversion uh, of sinners or in the building up of believers in the faith, both were important to Paul. But also note here that he says, unto the Gentiles. He's stressing to the Gentiles uh, 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 once again that, hey, I'm called to go to them. 
I'm called to go to them. I want to see fruit among them. That was the very commission that Paul was given of Jesus Christ. Church, let it be said here at Fellowship Baptist Church that we see fruit. And you know what it takes for us to see fruit? It takes working together. It takes working together. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I can get a little discouraged. We have things, we set things up for our church to get involved in and to help in and to participate in, and then no one really shows up. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty today or anything like that, but understand that when we're separated into the gospel of God, we want to do these things. We want to produce fruit here at Fellowship Baptist Church. Amen? We want to work together to see fruit among ourselves. Listen, when we, that, that's why it's so important to be in Sunday school class so that you can see some fruit in your own life. It's why it's so important for us to share the gospel with others and to help one another and hold each other accountable to that because, listen, we want to see fruit among the Gentiles, right? We want to see fruit among the people here in Panama City, Florida. We want to see fruit here within these walls, but also without these walls. To see fruit among them. But also in verse number 14, he says this. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. You understand, Paul said, I want to be with you because I owe a debt. He says, I owe a debt. Paul acknowledges a debt here. And by this debt, he is compelled to preach the gospel anywhere and to anyone. What is a debtor? A debtor is someone who owes something, doesn't it? That's what a debtor is. And Paul is obligated to preach and his consciousness of Christ's love for all men makes him sensitive to this obligation to carry the word of that love of, for, to them for Christ, for whom Christ had died for. He goes on to say to the Greeks and to the barbarians. What, is it, what does he show us here? He shows us that that's everyone. To the Greeks and to the barbarians. He's a debtor to everyone. He says to the unwise and to the wise, that's everyone. He's a debtor to these. One commentator said that the Greeks figured all civilized people spoke Greek, and so they used the word barbarian with a hint of contempt and depreciation. And so he says, hey, listen, I've not only come to minister to you, but to the barbarians. To reach, I am in debt to all. And let me say this, if we're going to be faithful in our witness of Jesus Christ, then we must remember this, church, that the gospel changes our status with God, doesn't it? Amen? We're right with God. But it also changes our status with the unbelieving world. The gospel changes our status with God. We've been forgiven. Our debt has been paid, amen, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But also, our status has changed with the unbelieving world. You see, the gospel removes a debt with God and it brings a debt to our neighbors and to our nations. What does the Bible say? The Bible Bible says that we have been entrusted with the gospel. We've been entrusted. We have been placed in trust of the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ to proclaim it to others. And Paul says, hey, we are now debtors to the unbeliever. 
And let me say to you, church, you, if you are saved today and your debt has been paid, you have also been given a debt to tell others about Jesus Christ. You owe the unbeliever that. Then he says in verse number 15, I love how he says this. He says, so as much as is in me, as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul was fired up, wasn't he? He said, so as much as is in me, I want to get to you so we can accomplish these things. And how am I going to do it? By looking deeper into the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm ready. I'm eager to preach the gospel because you understand that the gospel establishes us, doesn't it? The gospel and through the gospel, we are encouraged. Through the gospel, we see fruit in our own lives and throughout when it is proclaimed. And because of the gospel, we are debted to share its news. And so Paul says, I'm ready. I'm eager to share the gospel with you. Church, I'm finished. Believers, let me, let me say this. All of us believers here at Fellowship Baptist Church, you are the object of God's love. You are beloved of God. Know that today. Have confidence in that today. Take joy in that and peace in that that you are beloved of God. And also you are called to be saints, set apart, holy one. You are called to be saints. And like Paul's desire for the believers here in Rome, it is a desire of mine that we might be established in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would daily encourage one another by our mutual faith. And that through the gospel, we would see spiritual fruit within these walls and also without. And that collectively, we would acknowledge the debt that we owe to preach the gospel to anyone and to everyone. And that we, like Paul, would be eager, that we would be ready, that we would be on fire to proclaim the wonderful gospel news of Jesus Christ. Paul says, hey, listen, church. You're loved. I love you. God loves you. And I want to get to you so that we can do accomplish these things. Church, you know what? When we meet together and when we come together, we too, with the Holy Spirit's enabling, can accomplish these things. And so let us be a church that has the same desire as Paul that when we come together, we are established, we are encouraged, we see fruit among us, and that we look into the gospel deeper and understand that we have a debt to tell others about Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information, check out fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.